0: South Dakota or Utah. Portions of the following program may be pre-recorded. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
1: There is a judgment greater than He's the only shelter from the coming storm. Mm.
2: Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. I'm glad you're listening today. I want to share with you today the place of crushing, and ask you the question have you rejected the crucifixion of Jesus? Have you rejected the crucifixion in your own life? Let me just read this story for you. It's found in Mark the 14th chapter. I'll begin reading in verse 32. They went to a place called Gethsemane. And Jesus said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He said to them, Stay here and keep watch. Going a little further, he fell to the ground Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Once more he went away, and he prayed the same thing. When he came back, he again found them sleeping, because their eyes were heavy. They did not know what to say to him. Returning the third time, he said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Enough.' The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. And just as he was speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, appeared with him in a crowd, armed with swords and clubs, sent from the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him and lead him away under guard. Going at once to Jesus. Judas said, Rabbi. And he kissed him. And the man seized Jesus. And they arrested him. The story of Gethsemane. Gethsemane literally means the oil crushing of the crushing of the olives. It is a center where the Gethsemane stone is lowered upon the bag of, of ripe olives and they are crushed and the oil flows. Now, as we begin to talk about this, there are two problems we face. The first problem we faced is that we know the story. We've heard it, if you've been a Christian for very long, over and over. And so the problem is, how do we hear it with freshness, as though for the first time? What we think we know is our greatest problem. I want to say that again. What we think we know about Jesus and what we think we know about the gospel is a great problem for us in America because of the second great problem. And that is there's a great gap between what we think we know and how we actually live. Many people that I know have claimed that they are filled with the presence of God, that they are Christians, but their behavior betrays them. They act with hate and with judgment. They don't love Jesus by their behavior, by their words. But they think they're good to go. But they're not. These two problems literally are blocking the American church. Because the American church has rejected the crucifixion. They may give lip service to the crucifixion of Jesus, but then their own crucifixion they have denied. I think to begin to understand what is happening here in this place of crushing, it's necessary to define very carefully a a term, theology. The study of theology, what is it? When I was in seminary, the theology was defined as the study of God. But you can't put God under a microscope. So we can't study God in that sense of of examining God. I want to give you a different definition of theology. First and foremost... I believe theology is a confession of the truth, a confession of the truth. It is going to the scriptures and under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, discovering who Jesus truly is, discovering what the blood means, discovering what the blood does as it destroys the work of the devil in our lives and removes all sin from us as we confess our sin. So first and foremost, theology is a discovery or confession of what is true. Secondly, the term theology means I will take time to reflect on the truth that I have discovered. It will not be simply an intellectual exercise, but it will be a discovery of what I must be and what I must do and the avenue by which this can come to me. It is a process of meditation and prayer and reflection. Now, third, theology is a decision on my part to obey the word that is truth. If Jesus is the truth, and he is, then I must reflect very carefully on what he has said in the word of God about how I should live and what steps I should take. And, of course, the first step he gives us over and over is repent, repent, Turn aside from the way of the devil, the world, the flesh. Turn aside. Repent. There must be a willingness, a desire, and the actual practice of obedience to Jesus in what he has commanded. So, first and foremost, theology is the discovery and the confession of truth. It is, secondly, a reflection on that truth and on my life that will lead me to a place of humility, a place of of confession, and then into obedience, the practice of what we've been told. Now, in Gethsemane is the olive grove on the Mount of Olives. It is, by definition of Gethsemane, place of crushing. And the oil of the Holy Spirit begins to flow as we're crushed, as we acknowledge the truth, and as we put into practice that truth. In how we speak and in what we do. Now, Jesus comes to this place of crushing, and he's being sent in a direction to become an atoning sacrifice for your sins and for mine. And that course separates him from his Father, brings an apparent, but not real, distance between he and the Father. And this is crushing to Jesus. You can read of that crushing in the scriptures, in the psalm. It is a place of utter loss a place of utter brokenness. Now, Jesus is not able to easily enter into this. And in the place of crushing, he struggles with this. He cries out and he prays. Luke tells us that he sweats blood. It is agony of heart for him to lay his life down as, a, as an atoning sacrifice for us to be separated from the Father to enter into that place of absolute darkness. As I reflect on that, I've had to acknowledge that I have been able to leave the presence of the Father with casual ease. I've been able to live separate from Jesus with no pain. We live the way the world lives and we live separate from the Father and from Jesus and from the Holy Spirit. We live in our religion. I have determined that I will not live in religion. I will live instead in the crucifixion and in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But I have to ask you, Jesus was crushed by the loss of closeness with his father. What crushes you today? What causes you great pain and anguish in your heart? Is it the loss of a job? Is it the loss of money? Is it the loss of health? The loss of security or family? Is it the loss of friends? Is it the loss of lifestyle? What is it today that crushes you? Jesus was crushed by the bitter cup that his father offered him. He did not want to drink it. He did not want to be separate from the father. He did not want to die. He wanted to live. He wondered with the father, was there another way was there the possibility of another answer to this question psalm 69 2021 20, he was he was so broken all i could do was weep groan, sweat blood, cry out to the Father. And that raises a question. What is your limit with God? Jesus reached his absolute limit with God and said, not my will, but your will be done. He was saying, your will is my will, Father. I think of men in the Bible who were tested to their limit. Job was tested to his very limit with the loss of his children, the loss of his money, the loss of his health the misery. Elijah was tested to the very limit in that desert place as he ran from Jezebel. And where did he run? He ran to the mountain of God. And there he said, I'm finished here. Please bring me home. Moses, he was tested to his very limit. And he was told, You cannot enter into the promised land. But in his heart, he still worshiped the Almighty God of heaven. I think of Abraham. Oh, he was tested. Take your son, your only son, Isaac, and offer him on the mountain as a burnt offering. And immediately, he sets out to take his son, to offer him on the mountain, reasoning in his heart, this is the son of promise, and if God promises, I know it's true. And I know if it's true. Then God will have to resurrect Isaac. God will take you to your absolute limit. And then we must look very carefully at what our response is to that limit. Have you been taken to your limit with God? I know many people who have been taken to their limit with God. And when they reached their limit with God, many people that I know turned and walked away and settled into their religion with their pride and their arrogance. But they rejected crucifixion. When Jesus reached his limit with God, he said, not my will, but your will be done. He would not turn against the Father. Jesus' response to being taken to his very limit, the place of total breaking, the place, yea, even of death. What was his response? Tears, brokenness, sweating blood, praying, crying out to God, asking for another way. And then submission. Okay. Your will be done, not my will. Your will be done, Father. And then absolute trust filled his heart. And he determined in his heart that he would trust his father even to going to the cross, the crucifixion, And then he actually went to the crucifixion. Obedience was the last response of Jesus as he was stretched on that cross, stripped naked, utterly shamed. He obeyed the Father's will. And he said, yes, I will go. I will die. I will trust you. Now, what is the normal response of the human heart? What is the normal response of the human heart when we come to the end of ourselves? What do we most often do? Go to sleep. Be exhausted. run away be depressed be angry that's the normal human response when we reach the utter end of our own own ability and so when people are faced with the reality that they must be crucified with christ They say, no, there has to be another way. When they're told they must leave their sin and walk away from their arrogant heart and humble themselves before Almighty God, it exhausts them. And they run away. Or they escape. Running away is just another way of saying they escape. And I know this well. Many times I have escaped into a book. I've escaped into a movie. I've escaped into food, ice cream. I've escaped into a sport, into something. I enjoy doing, I've escaped, so I don't have to think about what I'm facing and what I know the Lord's will is, and then comes depression, discouragement, hopelessness. And then comes anger. How dare you say that to me? I remember so so vividly today when God said to me, I've been waiting for you to die, Ray. I was angry. How could you say that to me? Look what I've been through. Look how I've served you. then after all of that, the human heart is still faced with the reality, will we be crucified with Christ? And I have watched through the years as people have come, very excited about the National Prayer Chapel, about the broadcast, about about what's being said, very happy, very excited, this is right, this is truth, until they face the the dark night of their soul where it's time for them to enter into the crucifixion and to die to self and to turn aside from their own wickedness. It's time for them to go and get a new heart from the Lord, a humble heart, not a heart of of contention, not a heart of, of debate. I want to point out that that Jesus did not debate with the Father. I want to point out that he was not contentious with the Father. He did not protest his innocence because he could have. He was innocent. He had not sinned. And yet he was facing death, crucifixion, a penalty for sin, but he was sinless. But we come all loaded down with our sin, and then we, in an ugly way, protest our innocence. And we usually don't protest just to ourselves. We usually make a very public protest. And it reveals the wickedness of a man's heart, the bitterness of a man's spirit, Oh, he can cover it over with words. He can cover it over with smiles and with pretense. But oh, my brother, my sister. When we come to our limit and it looks like we're losing what we most want. Times can get very, very painful. I know many people who have run away from their crucifixion and they've said and said, oh, I'm a good person. I can do it. I can make it. I can even do something great for God. But they're powerless. The power of the Holy Spirit. It only comes through crucifixion. It only comes through crucifixion. It only comes by dying to ourselves. A resurrection that does not first demand a crucifixion is a false resurrection. It leads us to sorrow, it leads us to emptiness. I want to tell you it's very easy to see in the way a person lives and conducts themselves. Whether they are still filled with their pride and their arrogance or whether they have finally been willing to be crucified with Jesus. Jesus prayed, and then he was crucified. Are you willing to pray, to wait on God until this crucifixion is done? It must be done by Jesus. It is a supernatural work of God. It is not something you can do for yourself. It is something that is a gift of grace. It is not something that is easily done. See, I know out of my own personal experience that a false crucifixion will be following Christ without any true service without true obedience without any humility and that person who has walked in false crucifixion will blame and judge and criticize, and debate, and contend, I understand why. Because when they reach their limit, instead of tears, and prayers, and submission, and trust, and obedience, they rise up like a serpent, and strike at others. And it's always someone else's fault. There's no personal responsibility. It's always a self-defense. So it raises the question, are you willing to pray through? Are you willing to go into the prayer closet and to pray and to seek the face of Jesus until this work of crucifixion is finished in your heart. And there's no longer any judgment or bitterness or anger. There's no longer any more blame. Instead, there is a humility and a gentleness and a a caring... you willing to pray through to that place of crushing to that place of crucifixion it will look different for each of us but it is something that must be done it is something that is required if you're going to be a christian It raises the question, how can I be loved by the world and walk with Jesus at the same time? I can't. To walk with Jesus is to be hated by the world. It is to be condemned by the world. To walk with Jesus is to walk in humility and obedience It will require you to speak the truth in love. It will require you to deal justly and honestly. Matthew 10. I'm going to turn and read that for you. Matthew 10. Let me see. Verse 32, I'll begin reading. Whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. Understand, He's talking about men who refuse to be crucified with Christ. He's talking about people who disown Jesus by their behavior and their words. And Jesus is saying that person, even though they speak the Jesus word and they speak the theology... They will be cast out. He says, do not suppose that I've come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I've come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Where was Jesus going when he spoke these words? He was wending his way to Gethsemane and to the cross to be crucified. And he's saying, Look, you must take up your cross also, and you must be crucified with me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. This is what Jesus says to us, and frankly, This is a part of reaching your limit with Jesus. When he demands higher allegiance than you would give to your wife or to yourself or to your family, to your job or to your friends. He says, I must be first. All of these things that you love, all of these people that you love, you must be crucified to them. You must be given over, utterly, and completely to Jesus. And I challenge you today, go and get for yourself a new heart and determine that you will obey the words of Jesus and you will be crucified with him and you will give up your life so that you can have eternal life. It requires giving up of our own life Jesus has said we must walk that narrow path over here in Matthew the 7th chapter I'm going to turn there quickly you know the passage well He says, enter, this is the seventh chapter of Matthew, part of the Sermon on the Mount, verse 13, enter through the suffering gate of affliction. Why is it a suffering gate of affliction? Because it is a a gate of crucifixion. The only way into Jesus is by way of the crucifixion, giving up our pride, our lifestyle, giving up our our wants and our desires, and utterly and totally and completely giving our life into the hand of Jesus. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it but small or literally in the Greek, but groaning is the gate and and suffering is the road that leads to life and only a few find it. Most of you are not going to find this road and the reason you will not find it is you have listened to false teaching and false prophets and you think you have the answers. And those answers allow you to escape the crucifixion so you can continue to walk in your sin and claim that you are still a part of Jesus' kingdom. And you have not been crucified. I'm very troubled by this. It says Do people pick grapes from a thorn bush or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. What is bad fruit? Bitterness, anger, debate. What is bad fruit? Contrarianism against the gospel. Pride, bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit. A bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. I look at the fruit of a man's life. And when that fruit is bad, I say to that man, repent and be crucified with Jesus Christ. Turn away from your wickedness, from your lust, from your drunkenness, from your love of this world and its entertainment. There is such a place of holiness and righteousness that we have been called to. It is beyond our imagination. It is a place that only Jesus, by way of his blood, by way of the Holy Spirit, can take us. But it's a place we must go. He says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. He said, Only a few are going to enter. Why? Because they're still bad trees. They're still producing the bitterness of heart and the defensiveness and the pride. It says, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven It is the will of our Father in heaven that we be crucified with Christ. That we give up our lives. That we turn from all sin. That we stop promoting ourselves and begin to lift up Jesus Christ. That is the sign of a man or woman who has been crucified with Christ. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and and perform many miracles? And I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers, or you lawless ones, you, you wicked ones. I beg of you today to consider what is your limit with God? Do you know what your limit is? Has He made that apparent to you? Are there areas that He has told you to leave alone, to walk away from? Is there a humility He has called you to enter into? Is there a love that he has asked you to begin to demonstrate in the way you act, in the way you talk? Quickly go there. But there is a crucifixion that must happen before you have the strength or the power to go there, and that is an absolute giving up of your own life and deciding today... I will know the truth, the truth about Jesus and the truth about my own sin, and I will reflect on that truth, and I will make a decision now. I will obey Jesus. I will repent. I will turn away from every darkness that comes into my heart. I will stop escaping the conviction of the Holy Spirit by going into my food, by going into my entertainment, by going to my sports, going to whatever it is is our go-to place to veg and feel good about ourselves. It's not necessary that you feel good about yourself. It's necessary that you get made whole, that you be righteous before Almighty God, and then you'll feel wonderful joy and peace, and you'll be filled with the presence of the Holy Spirit. Are you willing today to go to that place of crushing and give up your fight and repent and turn again to the Lord? Some of you have called yourselves Christian for years, but you know, Whether you really are a Christian or whether you love the world and its entertainment, whether you love the way of the wicked, whether you're defensive and angry and protective of yourself, you know that. I urge you today, in that place where you can go no further, Say, Jesus, carry me through this and finish this crucifixion in my heart. Wash me and make me clean. I give up my life that I might live your life, Jesus. Well, we're out of time for today. Tomorrow is going to be a day of prayer. If your heart has been convicted this week and there are issues that you know you need to pray about, I invite you to come and pray and let us pray for you. If you'd like to pray for the church, then call and pray. Tomorrow will be a one-hour prayer meeting from 1 to 2 p.m. You can go to YouTube. NationalPrayerChapel.com or just go to YouTube and put in Pastor Ray Greenlee. Or you can just, if the Lord prompts you, call 877-534-0780 and I'll give you that number again tomorrow and you can call and pray. I want to thank each one of you for listening today. I ask, would you please share this with someone? Would you post it on your social media site if you have one? Would you forward the link to this broadcast to a, to a family member or a friend? And if you are on YouTube, would you subscribe to our channel? Because that will help more people. Hear about us. Please write to me. I'd love to hear from you. Thank you, Richard, for your letter. I'm always happy to get your letter and read it. Write to me at Pastor Ray Greenley National Prayer Chapel. Post office box twenty three forty six, Woodbridge, Virginia. Two two one nine five. That's National Prayer Chapel. Post Office Box twenty three forty six, Woodbridge, Virginia, two two one nine five. You can also go to our YouTube channel, nationalprayerchapel.com dot com, dot com. You can listen on our internet radio that is streaming live. You can listen to that 24 hours a day. You can find it at nationalprayerchapel.com. You can give online. And I thank each one of you who has. Dirk, thank you, brother. God bless you all. I love you. I'm praying for you. Be crucified with Christ. Don't, don't delay this. Let the conviction of the Holy Spirit take you let the supernatural work of God save you I'll talk to you soon to,
1: to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy with